0: This year, and I'm getting choked up just thinking about it, you know, because I didn't realize how much of my soul was a part of what I did.
1: Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 160 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists. Today's special guest on the program is the one and only Doreen Ketchens, who is actually one of the most requested guests ever, and I'm so happy to have her here on the program today. She's also known, of course, as the clarinet queen and is famous for being an absolutely legendary part of the New Orleans music scene. But her popularity actually prevails worldwide. She has played in 47 states, 24 countries, and has now been seen around the world on movies, TV shows, and YouTube over 65 million times. We discussed the surprising reasons she went into music in the first place, tips on playing jazz and improvising for beginners, what it was like playing for four U.S. presidents over the years, and much, much more. Patreon subscribers will have access to an extended version of today's episode, and many others like it, for as little as $1 per month. Check out clairneat.com slash subscribe for more information. Thank you so much to our sponsors who make the show possible. Imagine a reed that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand made right here in Canada. The European cut reed is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Croninger Freddie, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with a great ease of articulation and is now available for E-flat, B-flat, and the bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store or at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. The new Bakun Q-Series clarinet features a completely redesigned bore inspired by the Bakun Custom Series clarinets. This means you can play and perform like the pros, but for less. Use code Clarinet at BacoonMusical.com to save 10% on your entire purchase, and try the Bacoon Q-Series or Protégé Clarinet risk-free for 30 days. Just pay the return shipping if you aren't fully satisfied. Shop now at com and use code Clarinet at checkout. I'm here on the podcast today with the one and only Doreen Ketchens, who's coming to us today, of course, from New Orleans in Louisiana. Doreen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, my first question was, just so our listeners can get to know you as a clarinetist a little bit and kind of how you got your beginnings, what was your beginning as a clarinet player like? And is it true that you started playing in band to get out of a pop quiz at school?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was
1: a history test,
0: oh, oh. for sure. I was in the fifth grade and um, I was at my favorite time period in the of the day, which was lunch and recess. And uh, there was a buzz going around that there was a pop quiz and I'm like, well, we've never had such a thing. That's crazy. And I was always pretty popular. Um, I don't know why, but of course uh, I did did an interview just a while ago and I realized, um, my parents had a sweet shop a half a block from the school. So maybe that's why I was so popular. I have no idea, but, um, everybody knew me. And, um, so, you know, I said, I don't think we're going to have no, no pop quiz. And so, you know, uh, I thought I was correct, but of course when we got in class I was wrong <laughs> and everybody let me know I was wrong. And the way the pop quiz went was um, the, there were about 30 kids, 28 to 30 kids in the classroom. And um, the teacher would start from the uh, the front by the door and he'd ask uh, one question. And if you got the question right, you passed. If you you know, didn't, then you didn't pass. And uh, as he was going along, I realized there were only about five to six, you know, maybe five to eight questions. And so if I memorized the answers, then, you know, I'd be okay when he came to me. But, you know, the more he went around, I, I just couldn't Get it right, and you know I looked out the window as I often did, and I say, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do anything. And about two, three minutes later, the principal came on the loudspeaker and she said, "Anyone interested in joining the band, report to the band room immediately." And I raised my hand, and thank God he picked me. You know, he didn't pick everybody, of course. A lot of people raised their hand, uh, but he did pick me, and we went running down the, um, the hallway with this relief, you know. And I got to the band room, and there were these beautiful pictures of instruments. First of all, the band room was the biggest uh, classroom in the in the school. And I had never been there before. So it was really, you know, it was re- that was an experience in itself. And it had drums and stuff along the uh, edges of the classroom, you know, which was really cool. But they had these pictures of different instruments, you know, one by one, a uh, line the top of the wall. And um, I saw the clarinet, you know, but right next to it was a flute. And that flute was so pretty. I mean, it was silver, it was sleek. It was, oh, it just looked like it was made for me. I just I just loved it, you know? And I said, wow. I told a girl next to me, I said, I'm gonna pick that, I'm gonna pick the flute. And, uh, but I sat in the middle of the classroom all the time because, you know, I figured if you sat in the front, the teacher thought you knew everything. If you sat in the back, the teacher knew you didn't know anything. But if you sat in the middle, you kind of got lost in space, you know? So uh, the teacher couldn't figure it out. So I sat in the middle. So since I was in the middle, he asked the first girl, you know, what she wanted to play. She said, flute. And then the next girl, flute, flute, flute. By the time he got to me, they had about seven flute players. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty common instrument. I don't want to play that. <laughs> so, you know, he asked me and I, clarinet was right next to it. And I said, I'll play that one. And he said, clarinet. Of course, about well, four or five other girls after me said clarinet, but that's where I chose. And um, it was great because Once we got into the band room uh, and everybody started, you know, getting their instruments, I realized you played the flute off to the side. And I was like, who wants to do that? (laughs) I'm glad I didn't pick that after all, you know, but the clarinet, you know, you played like a trumpet and it was like really cool, you know? So uh, that's how I got to uh, play the clarinet. And I was really good at it. I mean, even from the beginning, of course, I thought my dad knew everything. You know, I always asked my dad for stuff. He always knew how to do this. And he actually tried to put the clarinet together and play it and stuff. And uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, very successful. But uh, once I started learning, you know, I was pretty good at it. And I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I was basically a C student, not because I couldn't, but because why not? (laughs) You know, Um, But on clarinet, I I didn't have to work too hard. And, and, um, you know, I was I was pretty good. So I stuck with it. And it was great.
1: You know, I love how sort of relatable that story is and and just sort of humble. Like I I imagine there's so many students out there who who kind of felt the same thing. They're just drawn towards this music and they're just trying to get through school and enjoy themselves. And uh, I think there's something that rings so true about that. I mean, I can relate. I mean, I, I picked clarinet myself because one of my friend's grandfathers played it and I wanted to sit next to him in band, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. so, I mean, <laughs> so cool. yeah, yeah, I mean, looking back, it's kind of like, oh, I wish it was kind of a more interesting story, but that's, that's what it is. And I love that someone of your kind of stature has a similar sort of, you know, how they got into it. I think that's really cool and really inspiring. So did the clarinet then, you mentioned it sort of came easily to you. Was that something that happened right away or was there kind of a moment where it clicked that you wanted to start practicing more? How did you really start digging into it?
0: I learned out of this book, and I still teach out of this book, even though it's out of print, called Learning Unlimited. And it's a just a Hal Leonard band method. And, you know, it's for these huge uh, classes of you know, young kids starting an instrument, you know, and they all play together. And, you know, actually they had the, 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 the first version of it, they had students on the magazine I mean, on the front of the cover, you know, playing the different instruments. And they had some French horns and some clarinet players. And I thought that was so cool. And when I opened the book, you know, when you open these books, um, they teach you how to read and, you know, how to um, how to do your foot, you know, the rhythm, and uh, they teach you the notes at the same time. And it's very, it's very gradual. And that I caught on to so quickly. It was just so easy for me. And I, I think it was because of the way in which the book actually taught you. You know, it was very unintimidating. And uh, since we're we're all learning together, you know, you had these horrible sounds (laughs) coming from everybody, you know? So, you know, it was okay if you squeaked and and, and stuff like that, you know, in the beginning, you know, and it was very very relaxed, Um, but it was moving at a constant pace. Uh, The teacher, Mr. Berthelot, he was, really a very cool and patient guy. He looked like the guy from Welcome Back Carter. And um, we used to always say that, you know, Um, but uh, he was very patient and uh, very nice. He's a very nice guy. And, you know, he promoted, you know, moving forward. And, you know, if you don't understand, come after class and I'll show you some stuff. And, you know, it it was really a great environment to learn in. And um, like I said, I was pretty good at it. So I was enjoying myself. So I, I, I moved ahead a bit. You know, I, I uh, we'd have two assignments to do uh, for the next day and I'd do four or something like that just because I was having a good time is all, you know, um, and it went like that until junior high school.
1: <laughs> you know, it's so interesting that you say that because even watching your videos today when you're performing in the streets of New Orleans, I notice your feet are still going with the beat. So you're still, still feeling the music.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I, I, it's hard for me to watch myself on those videos because I'm like, Oh my God, really? (laughs) A lot more than my feet are going. I tell you.
1: Do you get lost in the music then you're not like some people deliberately move, but for you, it does look so natural when you're moving around and getting the clarinet up like that. And.
0: Oh man, it's, it's, it's spiritual. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just in awe at, How much fun and how much uh, joy, you know, I I get out of it. I mean, goodness gracious, it's, it's like living a dream. It's amazing. I mean, this year, and I'm getting choked up just thinking about it, you know, because I didn't realize how much of my soul was a part of what I did. I mean, I'm out there, I'm playing a lot of times I'm experimenting, you know, just going for it or whatever. It's, it's, it's a free environment and, um, uh, people love it. And, you know, I get instant feedback and it's just, just, it's just something that's priceless, absolutely priceless that, you know, before this pandemic, I was like, man, I need a break, man. I need Maybe I'll take a week or so off and, You know, just relax because I'm going crazy, you know, and sometimes well, we play almost every day, we take off like three days and, um, you know, I try to practice in between there, but sometimes I'd be so tired. So at the end of that three days, man, I'd have to get my lip back up because we play hard for hours on end and only because we're so into it. You know what I mean? Just can't do 45 minutes, you know, and and stop. I mean, and when we stop, you know, your heart's racing and and all of this stuff happens when when you're playing with people, you know, who just suit you so well. And you figure, oh, I'm out on the street. I'm not going to find a good drummer. I'm not going to find a good you know guitar player. I'm not going to find this. I'm not going to find that. But they're there. I mean, they—they, a lot of them are drawn to us, you know, because a lot of people, they want to play with with, with, with a certain caliber of musician, and it just calls them, and, and, you know, I just thank God that it calls them because we get to play with this these wonderful, absolutely fabulous musicians. Some we get to play f- uh, with for years, you know, others we get to play for with just for a few minutes, you know, but it, it's it's absolutely fantastic, you know. Not everybody that comes in to sit in is good, you know, but, you know, it's still quite an experience, you know, it's amazing, you know, and I I wanted to take off a week or two and now it's been a year and something, (laughs) but, you know, thank God for the internet and all of these things that, you know, keep us going, but practicing in a room and performing in a room is not the same as being out there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to when we go back out there
1: well, I think you've really articulated something that I, I know I'm feeling and I'm not sure I had been able to put it into words, but like the performing element of music is is something that a lot of people go into music for. And like I, ha- I had a pretty good balance going in my life between like family and working and teaching and playing. And when you take one leg of the stool out from under you, it doesn't feel good. And I think there's so many musicians who are kind of, you're right, they're missing part of their soul right now. And I don't think it's just musicians. I mean, no one's been to a concert really in a year. Those are spiritual, like you say, spiritual times for people. And, and it's a chance to get away from from their day to day life and, and really experience and, and not to mention playing with other musicians. You mentioned that a lot of these players just just kind of come up to you guys in the street and, and join in for a bit. That's remarkable. How, how do you go about kind of getting along musically with these people who sort of just arrive like that? What's it like?
0: And we're we're very nice, you know, Um, we're not trying to bust anybody out or anything, you know, we ask them, what do you want to play? Usually, uh, we'll find something that they can play, even if we wind up just doing the blues, you know, because everybody can do something with a 12 bar blues. I don't know. It's it's like a, a box of jelly beans, so to speak. You know, there's different flavors and, you know, some are really good. Some are a little bitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be one of those bitter jelly beans. That's for sure. If I showed up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but you know, some of them are just, you know, these, these flavors you just want to savor for as long as they're here. And, you know, some people, they, they come on a Friday and come back on a Saturday, you know, come back on a Sunday right before they get on a plane and you're just happy they're there. You know what I mean? You know, other people, they come, they say, Hey, can I join you again? They're like, nah, not, nah, no.
1: <laughs> I love how though it's all about the music. Like you're just not pretentious about it at all. You just want to share your music and, and play with people and experience music. I mean, what could be more raw and musical than that?
0: Yeah. But I mean, we, you know, we love the, the buzz we get with each other. I mean, you know, with, without outside people. I mean, that's a nice element and everything, but if people are coming to sit in all day long, it sort of disrupts what we, you know, uh, have going on. I mean, because it's almost like a drug, man. I mean, I, I, my head starts buzzing, you know, at a certain point, it's just really crazy what, what, what happens. And then I can step back on it you know, and look look back on it, and, you know, sometimes we record it, you know, and put it on YouTube and stuff, and I'm like, wow, I remember that, that was so cool, man, that dude was good, you know, and stuff like that, um, you know, and even, like I said, with the group, uh, especially, like, when we do these, these regular gigs, you know, that aren't, you know, out there on the street, it's amazing what comes out, you know, of our bandstand, it's just truly a blessing.
1: So we better dive into a quick list or question here. There's one that's sort of related to what we're discussing. And that is, so did you start off with sort of the jazz as being your main inspiration or was there, were you starting off in classical music and band or did you just kind of take what, what music came from school and then just run with it?
0: Yeah, I just started, you know, in school and then we did, you know, the nursery rhymes and the Sousa marches and stuff like that, you know, whatever was thrown at us, you know, we played It wasn't so much uh, jazz. However, my first performance ever was at the Blue Room at the Fairmont Hotel, which is now the Roosevelt. And uh, believe it or not, uh, we performed two songs that day. One of them was the Joe Avery Blues, which is the second line. And the other one was When the Saints Come Marching In. (laughs) 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 And almost every performance, you know, one of those songs is in.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible, huh? And, and that was my first. And uh, up until, you know, I started playing jazz, my last experience with jazz music. And even that was written, you know, but they had some little dudes on the trumpet that were soloing, you know, and I'm like, that's cool. But I never thought about doing that kind of thing, you know, but um, I was good. And uh, there was an award for the best musician uh, uh, at graduation when we graduated from the sixth grade. And I missed it by a half a point <laughs> and I missed it because, you know, I was kind of arrogant and, you know, thought I had it in the bag and all this other stuff and, and, um, didn't. So that was a very humbling experience. And, um, you know, I thank God for that one too, because it probably set me in a different direction. Um, but it did, you know, make me lose a little bit, not only my arrogance, I lost all my arrogance at that point, but, um, my confidence too. And when I graduated from elementary school and went on to junior high school, well, I went from being the oldest and the best kid in the band to being the youngest and the worst. I mean, basically, because I, you know, I went to school with big kids. I mean, you know, the band had ninth graders in it, you know, and they had been playing a lot longer than we had. I mean, I had been playing at that point for, A little less than a year, because even though I started in the fifth grade with the, you know, going to the band, uh, you know, to join in the band and everything, it didn't start until the following year. And, you know, by the time we got our instruments and stuff like that. But uh, I was in um, junior high school and things were going a little fast and it didn't come as easily. So I lost interest and I just stopped practicing. (laughs) whatever now I'm in band you know because when I picked my schedule I picked band and all this other stuff I was really excited about it and then when I got in the class and all these kids were better than me and stuff like that and bigger you know I was like ah made a mistake but I had to go through the whole year you know to to deal with it and uh it was quite quite a year as as Mr. Berthelot the the elementary teacher was so nice you know Mr. Richardson was the total opposite. An excellent teacher, though, um, definitely uh, uh, responsible for a lot of my character and my technique and stuff like that. Even though he caught me early, um, but he used to do things that he probably, you know, a teacher would probably get fired for now. You know, because I was so bad. I mean, just so bad. I mean, like I said, I. I I did nothing, you know, I just showed up with my instrument. When the band would have issues with uh, certain parts of the piece, he'd say, hold on y'all, let's let Doreen play it for us. (laughs) Like, yeah, all right, all right. So, you know, I had to, so I tried to play it and I'd squeak and squawk and everybody would laugh at me and it was just horrible and I just got used to it. It was no big deal, you know, after a while I was laughing myself, you know? But I had a crush on a drum major, you know, he's just, Oh, his name is Troy. And um, I mean, I I just was in love with Troy. And so um, what I did was I walked in the band room one day and Troy was sitting at the piano. And um, I was like, oh boy, this can't be nice. Well, I'll just sit low, I'll just lay low today. And hopefully, you know, he won't uh, embarrass me today or maybe Troy will leave you know, early, but Troy didn't, he stayed there the whole time. And, you know, I watched the clock, the whole band uh, period. And um, we got about 15 minutes to, it was time to go. And, you know, I was feeling sigh of relief because I didn't get embarrassed, you know, at that point. And then before it was time to go, you know, of course, they had a little situation where somebody couldn't play something. And he said, hold on, let's let Doreen play for us. And I was like, well, yeah, OK, I'll play it. No problem. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to show him this time. I'm going to do this one right. You know, uh, but I hadn't looked at it. I wasn't very good because I hadn't practiced or anything. As a matter of fact, it had been a long time since I actually took the clarinet seriously. And uh, but I, I, I was determined to play it, you know, absolutely perfect. So I started playing it and it was anything but perfect. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. And of course they started laughing again. And when I looked over, you know, at the piano, Troy was laughing too. Well, that crush ended at that point. It was <laughs> I was no longer in love with Troy anymore. It was life-changing because, you know, I, I just felt so bad, you know, just angry, not, not so embarrassed as I was angry. And, you know, I picked up the book and I looked at it and I started playing some stuff out of the book, and then I turned the page and started playing that, and then turned the page again and started playing that. I must have played for I don't know about two, three hours that evening. And just looking at it, saying, "Man, this is really not difficult at all." It was very related to what I was doing in, you know, elementary school. And me, you know, I went from being angry to just being sort of ashamed of myself because. You know, I was wasting so much time and, you know, just, just being all messed up in the head behind uh, some things that weren't really difficult, you know? So anyway, you know, after I finished the book that night, just finished it and came back to school. Of course, I want him to call me. Now he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for him to call me, actually say, hold on, let's let Doreen play it for us. And, you know, I played it and I played it perfectly and you know, he said, Doreen, you know, just like that, you know, I could still hear him saying that, you know, and from that moment on, I mean, nothing changed as far as, you know, let's let Doreen play it for us. But, you know, I actually played it correctly that time. I'm instant teacher's pet at that point. And I was the teacher's pet for, you know, from seventh grade to ninth grade until I left there. And even after I left there and I went to senior high school, I'd come back and, you know, and you know, was happy to see me. And, you know, all kinds of other things. So you know. but um he was he was not nice. He was very cruel, but um very effective. You know, he prepared me for competitions and stuff like that. So that, you know, you know, if you're nervous, you're you're a chunk. And that was just a part of growing up, you know. Uh and it 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 really it really got me through everything else, everything else really. And that was junior high school, seventh grade, you know. And uh, by the time I got to senior high school, um, I had another nice guy, Walter Harris, but he was very effective too. You know, Walter would make you feel guilty if you didn't do what you were supposed to do. It's just, you know, it's amazing. These personalities of these band directors, you know, um, how they all achieved basically the same thing with me, which was making me want to excel, you know, uh, to the best of my ability, but they had different methods of doing it. You know, Mr. Harris was the one that made me, uh, consider going to the performing arts school you know and uh from there and i met stanley weinstein and that was it and that was all classical it was all classical Sousa marches you name it now yeah, that was it and
1: um yeah so there was no jazz <laughs> so when did the jazz start percolating in then
0: when I got to the performing arts school, uh, I was the only clarinet player um, after, because, um, you know, a bunch of them had graduated uh, at that point. And um, uh, Mr. Marcellus, you know, Ellis Marcellus was my ear training teacher. But, um, you know, he, he also approached me, and he said, you know, you ought to play some jazz. And I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. And I was, I went home and I listened to some some players. And, you know, I really didn't I uh, didn't like the tones and I didn't like a lot of the technique. I, I I didn't realize it at the time, but I just wasn't listening to the right people. And so I was like, yeah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. So I had my opportunity to study with Ellis Marcellus. <laughs> and I turned it down because no, I worked very hard on my tone and my technique. And I, I didn't want to sacrifice it for that. Uh, the jazz actually came in play when I got to college. And um I saw this tuba player that was the most gorgeous guy I'd ever seen in my life. You know, he uh had a jazz band, to make a long story short. Uh and um, you know, he, he'd play some jazz and stuff like that. And man, I was like, well, I don't know, I'd revisit this jazz. So, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I did. I I um, you know, his clarinet player was acting kind of crazy, and you know, he asked me to play a few things and we started going together and you know, we started actually going out on the street and playing music and, um, that's how it started.
1: What an amazing story. And it's, it's so interesting to think back, you know, those people who laughed at you in in band class. I mean, I wonder if they know that you went on to, you know, become one of the most celebrated artists of your time and also, you know, performing for U.S. presidents and all these crazy achievements. I mean, it's, uh, it's just remarkable to think that that, you know, that contrast exists, you know?
0: Oh yeah. But I'm a lot of those people are doing a lot of things too. I, I mean, bet. Yeah. <laughs> let's see, um, like Herman LeBeau, We're still friends. Uh, he's an absolutely fantastic drummer, and he was playing without Alan Toussaint. Actually, Victor wasn't there. Victor Goins. He he's he's uh, two years. No, he's three years above me, I think, because I don't I I don't, I don't know. It, you know, I'm getting old now, so it's kind of hard to. But I know we were never in the band together, so I think he left um, either the year I got there or, you know, the year before and, you know, you know, Victor Goins, I mean, and there was a bunch of other people, you know, that, you know, I'd have to think back on, but yeah, lots of, lots of performers, lots of, re- they, they really kept playing and they really did some great things and they're musicians too with great careers too, you know, um, of course, a lot of other people, you know, it was just something they did in high school and, you know, that was it, but yeah.
1: So this question came in from three or four people and and me too, actually. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about this. So many of us have classical training and we just never really get to that sort of jazz experience. So what advice would you have for people to start improvising and doing something beyond the page?
0: I didn't really do um, private teaching before the pandemic because I didn't have any time. I actually had one student that I was teaching because, um, you know, I I felt as though she went to school with my daughter and I felt as though she really needed help. So, you know, I was teaching her and um, when the pandemic hit and, you know, needed money, started uh, doing some private lessons and I I figured out how to teach adults who don't want to go to kindergarten and start learning you know, chord structures and all this other stuff before they start playing jazz, you know, before they start improvising. And, you know, I came up with this, well, I teach with the ear, first of all, and what it is, is, and and I even uh, give a little bit of it on those little, you know, clarinet lesson things you know the improvisation and five easy steps or something like that it's really simple like that you know you you, you just have to establish the melody and you, you I mean we all have um knowledge of chords you know and everything it's just a matter of manipulating to make you know them do what you want them to do so, so when you have these things in your ears you can put them through the horn I'd say to listen the first thing you should do is to listen to a bunch of different jazz clarinetists and find one that appeals to you, somebody you like, um, somebody who's playing with a tone you like or a technique you like or something like that, and get them playing something slow, you know, something slow and bluesy, something nice, and steal it. Just, you know, when, when play the, whatever they're playing, learn it, play it, transcribe it. But when you transcribe it, you don't just transcribe the notes, you try to transcribe the feeling too. You try to do the tapers and swells and all of these other things too, because you want to make it yours, you know, and inside of learning those notes that they're doing, that's why I say start out with something slow, like a blues or something like that. So it doesn't tire you out. But inside of that, you'll see... They'll spell out so many things to you. You know, you're like, well, how do you know how to well, a minute, when the, the, the one chord and all this other stuff? They'll spell it out. You'll just as you're learning what they're doing, they'll spell out things to you, you know, and the more you transcribe and the more you try to imitate and create on your own, the better you'll get. You know, it's all about structure you know, when you, once you, once you put that foundation down there, which is like the melodies, When so you, you know, the melody, then you try to embellish upon a melody, you know, and that's all it is, really, I mean, of course, you have to apply, you have to know these different chords, and, you know, understand, you know, what a flat five means, and all this other stuff, as it relates to the chord in front of it, and from the chord behind it, but that's technical, to have fun, you know, you don't, You don't have to have a music degree to sing along with Beyonce. You know what I mean? You can just, you know, sing along with Beyonce. And that's basically what you, that's how you get your foot in the door, you know, and you just keep doing it. And after you've stolen enough and played that stuff enough, you start to have some kind of relation as opposed to what you want to do and what you're capable of doing and, you know, what you think you are able to do. And, you know, it comes, it really does, you know, it just takes a little patience.
1: So I heard something interesting there that I'm just thinking thinking about now that um, you've never really been teaching before, but suddenly d- during this time you are, um, is there a way that anyone listening to the podcast could try and have a lesson or some lessons with you? Are you still accepting students or is this something you're kind of keeping just within a certain circle of friends? Nah,
0: it, it really took off much bigger than than I, I could um have imagined actually, I figured out now that, you know, instead of seeing everybody, you know, like every week, you know, you can see some people every other week and see some people every two weeks, you know, or or three weeks or something like that, which works out much better for me too, because then I'm not, you know, teaching all day. Um, But um, yeah, just, you know, hit me an email and um, you know, usually there's some slot somewhere we can agree upon and um, you know, it's just an hour you know, and I'll show you what I got. (laughs) And these lessons, they'll go on for a little while, because once we start playing, you know, I'll have to, you know, cut back, you know, dramatically. But when I do try and give a lesson, you know, I'm not doing a feeder so that you will you know, have to come back the next week and see what's on, what's behind door number two or anything like that, you know. I just throw everything there. I just throw it all, you know, all the theory, you know, and all that other stuff so that you have a whole bunch of things to work with, you know, and you don't really need me anymore, you know, because it's all about your own personal development. I just give you the structure, you know, and how to build it and make it happen for yourself.
1: They say the best teachers teach themselves out of a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it sounds like it's best if people can just send you an email and then you can set up a time and as time permits, you can still offer some lessons.
0: Yeah. For a few more weeks, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's J A at BellSouth.net. You know, just hit me up and say, hey, blah, 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 blah. I'll find out a little bit about them, you know, uh, where they are, what they want to do. And, uh, you know, we'll utilize the whole amount of time as opposed to, you know, just wasting it doing some other things. Now just throw a whole bunch of stuff out there explain it you know and you know
1: I love that so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask of course how you developed your you know signature stance with the clarinet held high in the air like that oh just your (laughs) natural way of kind of feeling the music or is there some sort of playing comfort thing behind it or projecting or what is it
0: well if you're in New Orleans and you're playing music on a clarinet usually you're in front of trumpets and trombones and tubas and all of these, and you're on side of saxophones and all of those instruments are very loud. They're playing, they're trying to be heard over everybody next to them and behind them and in front of them. And it just so happens that as I was trying to, you know, play with these people, Uh, Who were basically trying to blow me out. Uh, If if I played high, you can hear it. It just some kind of way. It just like a needle. It just bleeds through everything. You know what I mean? Uh, And it's just one of those things. God, you know, because, you know, I mean, you're playing high and you want them to hear you. So, (laughs) and I didn't even know I was doing it. Honestly, I didn't even realize when I played. I mean, I just went from there up to the top, just And I didn't even realize it until somebody said, that is amazing. You know how you can play with a clarinet straight in the air and not drown from your own saliva. (laughs) What? You know, but um, yeah, I didn't even realize it. I was doing it for a long time and didn't even realize it. And then, you know, of course, you start seeing pictures and people start telling you things and you're like, wow, look at that. You know, but it's just a habit. And it's amazing because uh, we can do that. For, I mean, in, back in the day, we were doing that for seven, eight hours, you know, straight, you know, all day, Cliring that up in the air, no big deal. And I remember one time uh, I was posing for some pictures. The guy said, you know, do like you're playing, you know, but not play. And I was just holding it it was the heaviest thing. And I'm like, hurry up, you know? <laughs> it's not, It's I mean, what? You know,
1: totally funny?
0: different situation. Yeah, yeah. And even now, you know, I pose for pictures. It's not the same. I got to play. You know, if I play, I'm good, you know? But if I don't play, it, it it's heavy. <laughs> it's crazy, you know?
1: So you mentioned that you, you raise it up to cut through, but you also raise the register of your playing to cut through. So you're really well known for these sustained, long, Beautiful high notes with incredible vibrato. There was one video I watched on YouTube. I think it was um, 28 seconds or something. Someone in the comments counted that you were holding this one really super high note, and uh, just just amazing. So so tell me about that.
0: Yeah, even that is all emotion. You know, uh, sometimes it's very impressive. You know, and other times it's not that that long at all. You know what I mean? Um, but it's it's sort of like um, gliding in the air. You know. At a certain time you just, you just hit that, that, that pinnacle. Whereas I'm good. I'm good. You know, and you're good for, for a while. It's no big deal. And then it's a long note and it's really high in the air. And believe it or not, usually by the time I release it, you know, I have to exhale before I inhale because I still have more left. You know what I mean? Cause it's all about the pressure that's built behind it. And as long as you can hold it. So yeah, sometimes I mean, and most of the time I can hold it pretty long. I always was able to, you know, do that for a long time. I used to bet quarters, you know, in junior high school that I could hold a note longer than, you know, uh, certain people. So, you know, uh, that was my gift, I, I would say. But um, it's nothing but pressure behind the note. And uh, like I said, usually I have to exhale afterwards.
1: So while we're on the topic of projection, this is a question that came in and I, I normally don't dive into gear too much on the show because we can just go down a rabbit hole of what, what reads does everyone like and things like that, right? But uh, I do think you can offer some really interesting perspective maybe as far as like an outdoor setup. How do you play outside without your clarinet cracking and like is there a special mouthpiece you use to cut through the, the instruments in the streets or how are you sort of thinking about your, your playing from that perspective as an outdoor player in, in hot weather?
0: Every clarinet that I've ever played out on the street with has been penned, glued, you name it. Uh, It just happens. I mean, it's wood. Um, I had started playing this um, this shine from Korea that was uh, plastic. And... It was really good for me because um, you know it's plastic. It's not moving. It's not doing anything. You know, crazy. And the action on that thing was just amazing. But you know, you still want your wood. You know, the, it's it's something about the 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 wood um, that is just it's like regal. You know what I mean? Um, it, it just is. And um, I just recently started playing on a a Firebird from like Royal Global and goodness gracious i mean i practice more <laughs> cuz the clarinet calls me you know i mean it 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 feels regal it, it really and truly does i mean i i don't want to play anything else i don't know why it's heaviest i don't know what because you know i came from playing a plastic instrument so you know i mean you know the weight difference is 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 um you know very different but it feels and sounds just so regal. It's it's amazing. Um, and I play a, um, a marble mouthpiece from diodario You know, I'm a diodario artist. So they send me all of this stuff, you know, to try out. And they sent this marble mouthpiece. And I was like, this is really pretty. Wow. Look at this. And I was just so excited. I took it out of the case, you know, and, and I put it on my instrument and put my reed on there. And I started playing. It was awful. (laughs) Absolutely awful. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Well, it looks good, but I, and I even called and I said, do you have another, another size? You only make it in one size, you know, I'm like, damn, man, that sucker looks good, man. I love playing that instrument. And I put it down and then, um, I thought about it uh after a few days and I said, Well, let me put a, a four and a half on here, you know. So I did I decreased the, the strength of the reed by a half. And when I put the four and a half on there, it was like butter. Butter. It was amazing. And I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Got a team going on here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, and I've been playing on that now for over a year. It's just is really, really enjoy it. Of course, now I play on a four and a half when I play that one, you know, I have a Casper that, uh, I've been playing since, oh man, since high school. I mean, no, since college, uh, I've played it so much now till my teeth have dug into the top, you know, to even when I put a mouthpiece pad patch on there, um, it's still that, you know, takes the shape and, you know, it's really, uh, I'm, I'm tearing it up, but um, on that one, you know, I still play five, five and a half, you know, when I have them, when I find them. And that's a big part of the projection too, you know, got to have a strong read, you know, you're already out there and you're already playing and playing your guts out. I mean, you're blowing really hard, you know, to get all of that happening. And uh, yeah, you need, you need some support. So, yeah. So that's what I play. And I play Mitchell Laurie's. Um, I used to play Mitchell Laurie five and a halves, but of course, I was probably the only person on the planet playing on a five and a half, and I didn't buy enough of them, so they stopped making those. I still find a lot of them, you know, um, from time to time, you know, uh, from before. But uh, so I play a five, and I play a reserve too, you know, um, when you just want a little change of pace. You know, sometimes in the in the heat of the summer, you know, the reserve works a little better for them because you know it's a little longer. But um, I I can't get into those. Um, those leather ligatures, you know, they just don't, they're not tight enough for me. So, um, you know, I just play a regular, you know, metal ligature, yeah, with two screws. I like the two screws cause I like to tighten them and, you know, move around and I like that support. So that's what I do as far as equipment
1: goes. So plastic clarinet, good mouthpiece, and a really hard read. <laughs> That's uh a-
0: yeah. Well, plastic mouthpiece, wooden clarinet, and a really hard. Oh, reed. sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, <laughs> so you're
1: using the wood outside now. I guess you're not playing too much outside yeah. these days.
0: The thing is, I hadn't been playing outside, uh, period. But yeah, when I go back, I, I just I can't put this this uh, this firebird down. I just can't. It's just. I mean, I try to play the other things, and it just feels like I don't know. I, I, it, I just found something I really enjoy. so that's what I've been playing and I'm just gonna have to take it out there and um you know hope for the best for <laughs> <Brave> the weather <laughs> yeah, but i'm I'm feeling really good with it 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 speaks to me you know it's sort of like you know it's like only you know, these sci-fi movies when you know there's a slime and you see you tell them don't touch the slime, don't touch the slime, you know, and somebody's just gotta touch it and touch it you know, it goes, something goes all over their bodies and, you know, consumes them and stuff like that. This, this clarinet is done to me, man. It's amazing. I mean, you know, I practice at one in the morning, you know, just because I pass by the 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 room where the clarinet is and it's calling to me, you know, it's amazing. And, um, you know, like, thank God, because I hadn't been practicing as much as I should. And, um, you know, in all reality, you know, I'm out of shape. You know, I, I doubt seriously if I could do a five-hour day you know at this point the way we were doing before I got to build up to it and I'm looking forward to it so looking forward to it you know May is gonna I think by the time Mother's Day comes around I'm gonna be feeling really really good so going would be right out there on Royal Street you know lifting my clarinet up to the sky and just doing my thing and just so grateful just so grateful to be able to do it you know again you know so just really looking forward to it.
1: You know, it's so funny what you say about the the slime there, because I had that exact same experience once at a guitar shop. I'd set a budget of a couple hundred bucks to buy a guitar and I'd found one I sort of liked. And the salesperson was like, hey, man, you should check out this guitar. I played it. And I was just like, oh, it's like three times as much, but I got to have it.
0: (laughs) I mean, when it speaks to you, you know, when it would, when something speaks to you, you know, you you, you try to make it happen as best you can. You could be practical. And deny yourself or you can just say i gotta have this i gotta have this and and, and it's, it's just amazing the connection i bet you enjoyed the daylights out of that guitar
1: still hanging right here 11 years old now
0: <laughs> and, you know what i'm saying man it's and, and it's so worth the investment you know what i mean because you're enjoying it you're still it's still new money you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah absolutely so, you know, before we go, because I do want to respect your time here, but I do feel like I could talk to you all evening here. Um, it's just been a great conversation. I could talk all too. <laughs> <laughs> But I wanted to ask, what was it like performing for the U.S. presidents? I think you've played for, is it four or five presidents now?
0: Nah, it's four. Everybody thinks one of them was Barack, but it wasn't. That <laughs> would have been nice, but I'm not in that clique. And, and you know, um, every time it was just dumb luck honestly, it was dumb luck. We were, I remember, um, with, with Clinton, we were just, um, in the right place at the right time, you know what I mean? And, and got asked, and it was great. Um, I remember, um, with, the Reagan and Bush, that was just the Republican convention. We didn't know they were going to be there, you know what I'm saying? We just, just dumb luck, you know, and, um, the the best one, though, was uh, Jimmy Carter. He was there with, with his wife and um, we were at Jazz Fest um, and we were just playing our set at Jazz Fest and all of these suits walk in, you know, and I'm performing, so I'm not really paying attention. You know, they, they're they not in the general area. They're where the family usually is, you know, and stuff like that. And they, they walk in and I didn't even know it was the president. I, I kid you not. I, I didn't even know. Um, and he was former president at that point, you know what I mean? But he still has secret service. And um, the set was magical. It was great. And I remember doing um, uh, Mardi Gras Aiko. And that's where, you know, we do this audience participation thing where I say, let me hear you sing. And stuff like that. And they were doing it they were freaking doing it. It was so cool. And my husband said, that's Jimmy Carter. And I'm like, what? You know, (laughs) it was so cool. So yeah, I mean, you know, it would be nice, you know, to say, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You know, they had heard about us, seen us on YouTube and, you know, invited us to the white house and we were in the living room and, you know, (laughs) asked for their favorite song. Nope.
1: (laughs) It's almost even better though. They came to you
0: yeah it was great though man. It, they were and, and you know very uh, very nice you know very uh, approachable you know to of course when you're not threatening uh, really you know and it was a great experience and really nice to talk about too you know it's very impressive sounding so it was cool.
1: Well, it's funny because I know that Bill Clinton plays saxophone. It's a shame he didn't join in for something. Um, I wonder if the others are musical at all. I I think Barack Obama played piano, but I don't know if any other, maybe I'm wrong about that too, but I don't know if any of the other presidents have really been that musical.
0: I don't know, but Jimmy Carter, sure can dance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Carter is one of those guys who just, he's just such a great guy. He's building like houses or something for charity up here in Canada a while ago. And uh, he's like 92 years old or something. And it's just remarkable to still be swinging a hammer and, doing that kind of stuff at that age and especially after the life he's lived you know it's just just wild so true true
0: he's a remarkable guy
1: well i want to encourage those listening to the podcast to check out your youtube channel check out your online lessons that you're doing you can send an email i'll put the link to that in the show notes for this episode also you know on the youtube channel there's a place to leave virtual tips i think you call them you can do that to help out (laughs) your cause yeah
0: with the sign that I always hold up the wrong way, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, I got this PayPal sign and this you and this Venmo sign, and I'm always holding it up the wrong way. And I said, "Well, I got it right this time." And you know, you can look at the comments. You know, after after I reviewed the video, you know, they're like, "Ma'am, you still have it the wrong way." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely And we just we we launched a new website too. Um, our old web manager he died, and um, he died with all of the uh, information, uh, you know, to pay for and, and to get into the um, old website, which was jazz.com. So now we're DoreensJazz.org. And, um, you know, there you could also, you know, find out about the lessons and, you know, we have two new CDs that just came out too, volume 29 and volume 30. One's uh, more uh, traditional and the other one's uh, gospel you know, uh, just some really nice uh, things that are going on because we decided we didn't want to waste time doing this pandemic. You know, we wanted to look back on it and say, yeah, we did this and we did that and we did the other, you know, so, um, you know, feeling really good about that because now we're coming out of it and we have these things to look back on. And uh, I learned about Zoom. I mean, last year, this time, I didn't know what Zoom was, you know um so and thank god for these these platforms you know i mean they're not all you know that they're not the most reliable you know uh but they're really you know a blessing you know because we're able to connect and you know still do what we want what we love doing you know uh just in a different way but still reaching people and people reaching us you know it's, it's absolutely fantastic
1: well i really want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today um if you're listening out there on uh, Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music or anything like that. The episode will end here, but we're going to do a couple more extra little questions for the Patreon backers. If you want to support the production of the show, you can head to clinic.com slash subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get access to the ad-free extended episodes, just like this one. So thank you so much, Doreen, for coming on the show again today. And uh, was there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Uh, just
0: thanks for having me. It's, uh, I appreciate the attention. And, um, you know, the respect, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And, and we'll be out May, Lord say the same, we'll be out and we'll be doing our thing and maybe a little rusty at first, but still making some great music. And, you know, we'll try to um, put the video on so you can be with us no matter where you are, you know, and uh, just have
1: some fun. So thank you all so very much. That's awesome. Did you do a live stream now at the concerts when you're playing outside? On YouTube?
0: Yeah, we, we, we had tried to do some of that stuff um, beforehand. So yeah, that's what we're going to try and do. Yeah.
1: That is super cool. And people can leave their virtual tips or their super chats or whatever on YouTube while they're, while they're watching. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. That sounds fun.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And uh, it's been such a great thing to have you on the podcast here. And I do hope that things return to normal and then we can find you out on the streets again of New Orleans real soon.
0: Me too. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate, you know, all of this and you take care and I'll be listening.
1: Thank you for listening to the Clarinet podcast. If you're new around here, do not forget to dive into our extensive back catalog, which features over 150 conversations now with great clarinetists like Stanley Drucker, Laurie Friedman, Michael Lowenstern, Carter Freddy, and many others. If you enjoyed what you heard, you're going to love what's coming up, including a conversation with Andy Simon, who is the principal clarinetist of the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. Subscribe to Clarinet wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And if you'd like to get access to ad-free extended content, check out clarinet.com slash subscribe. Last time I said I would dedicate the ending of the episode to some Q&A questions about clarinet or using Legere or Bakun products if they came in, but nobody sent any questions last time. So if you do have a question for me or a comment about the show or any kind of listener feedback, send it to hello at clarinet.com and I will include it in this ending portion of a future episode. Thank you so much to our sponsors who make the show possible. The new Bakun Q-Series clarinet features a completely redesigned bore inspired by the Bakun Custom Series clarinets. This means you can play and perform like the pros, but for less. Use code Clarinet at BakunMusical.com to save 10% on your entire purchase, and try the Bakun Q-Series or Protégé Clarinet risk-free for 30 days. Just pay the return shipping if you aren't fully satisfied. Shop now at BakunMusical.com and use code Clarinet at checkout. Imagine a read that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Legere reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand, made right here in Canada. The European cut reed is preferred by Legere artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schiffrin, Croppedy Freddie, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with a great ease of articulation, and is now available for E flat, B flat, and the bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store or at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists.